0: You're listening to Geeks and Beats on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Bell Media Radio Network. So let's sing another drink.
1: Billy Idol has to be one of my all-time favorite guys of the 80s. I've always been a fan. I was a fan of Generation X back in the 70s, and then I followed him through his solo career through about 86 or 87. After that, he kind of disappeared more or less for a while. He hasn't released an album in uh, 10 years, but he's got one called Kings and Queens of the Underground coming out uh, in October. He's also got an autobiography called Wait for it. Dancing with myself, which is really kind of interesting. I've I've read a number of uh, passages from it, and the guy has lived a colorful life. I mean, he was one of the original British punks back in 1976 and 1977. He was part of Generation X and all the stuff and excesses that they got into. Then, as a solo artist, he was a, an MTV face. There was uh, oh all kinds of stories and all kinds of tales of drugs and sex. Then there was a very bad motorcycle accident that nearly killed him, and then this long sort of uh, period of being a, a senior statesman in the in the world of punk rock. So we had an opportunity. I, he's in L.A., and after chasing each other around a little bit, we managed to find some time. And uh, I want you to pay attention. Well, t- we'll talk about the the new album and the new book, which are both, I think, really important. But wait until we get towards the end of the interview, because we are going to get very anthropological, and we're going to come very close to solving a very great musical mystery. Oh,
0: I just got shivers.
1: You wrote your autobiography, which is called Dancing With Myself. Perfect title, by the way. Uh, You wrote your autobiography at the same time that the album was being recorded. Did, Did one... Inform the other?
0: Yes, uh, they did rub off on each other, yes. Um, the album itself does have a sort of a retrospective uh, look. Some of the lyrics are looking backwards, although there's just as many songs about today. But uh, yes, they did rub off on each other.
1: I've heard that when people sit down and start actually dictating or writing or making notes about their life in in order to create an autobiography, you end up remembering things that perhaps you've long forgotten. Did did that happen to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's quite a lot of cobwebs, really. um, But it's great grabbing hold of the memories while you've got them. I think that's the thing. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book now, was because I could still remember things fairly well. And I was just thinking, well, I don't know how long that's going to go on for. So... (laughs) So, uh, yeah, there's lots of parts of the book really are grabbing hold of your memories while you've still got them.
1: Well, we were kind of worried about you for a while. There was that bad motorcycle accident.
0: Yeah, that was a bit of a wake-up call, really. I mean, um, it didn't really have to happen, the mo- motorcycle accident. Um, and there were things like that starting to happen. And I think it was just like the sign, the sort of honeymoon with drugs, really. And it was kind of over, really. And, uh, but it takes a long time the drug addict to uh to listen really and but that was one of the that was kind of the sort of beginning of the wake-up calls you know where you knew oh look look what happens it's you're getting a bit out of control you know so <laughs>
1: and you sold all your vinyl to get drugs
0: well at some point yeah i think all junkies do things like that you know and um it's kind of a good uh a good picture to show you sort of the desperation of it at times you know
1: Another interesting thing about the autobiography is that you can look back and see how things have changed with the music industry over the course of your career. I mean, back at the beginning, you had punk rock and the Roxy and, you know, a Generation X and then moving on into your solo career with, you know, becoming a big MTV star when it was really cool to show videos on TV. And now we're completely removed from that. Uh, how have you adapted?
0: Well, I think uh, the thing is you just go on carrying on trying to do music that you think is sort of valid or, you know, that you having fun with it today. So uh, that's what you kind of hold on to. And um, I'm still playing with people like Steve Stevens, who's, you know, I don't know, getting better as a guitar player after all these years, still getting better. So it's, it's still a lot of excitement, really. And um, I think you just came on to that.
1: I Okay, I have to ask uh, a question that's been bothering me for a very long time. You're the only guy that can answer the question. I have been doing extensive anthropological research on the special crowd lyrics that show up every time in Moni (laughs) Moni, And it has turned out that there are distinct geographic differences of what people shout during the song. Depending on where you are in North America or Europe, you get a slightly different variation of what they're saying. Where the hell did those special audience lyrics come from in Moni Moni?
0: Well, I I heard it was... uh, started off in like those frat houses, you know, back in the 80s, I suppose, um, that the frat house started it, and then it kind of graduated to the discos, and then uh, the DJs would sort of like, yeah, the crowd would start shouting it, and yeah, that's, it kind of went on from there, but then then we even, well, we even sing that, you know, even sing these other words. (laughs) And uh, I don't know; it's a lot of fun, really. So, uh,
1: when did you become aware of these lyrics? What, uh, when the audience?
0: I think it started along with uh, when we did kind of the live version of Moaning Moaning, which got to number one. That's kind of when it started, around nineteen
1: eighty-seven, eighty, yeah, eighty-seven. Right. So you know, many years after the song was recorded.
0: Was kind of wild, actually. It was nothing to do with us, so it was, <laughs> it was kind of fantastic in a way.
1: Well, it is. Again, it's it's this giant. Intercontinental meme that managed to spread without the use of the internet, without the use of anything that we can actually trace it to. So it's 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 fascinating. You can be, like I say, you're you're a fascinating anthropological study. I think I know why he stopped performing around the late '80s, early '90s. Why is that? The man got married. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's and a, he's still married. Yeah, he's a, 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 a you know one of these survivor dudes. How many rockers do you know got married in the '80s and are still married today to the same person? And how many of them are Billy Idol? You know, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> really something else. Again, read the autobiography. You'll wonder how the man is still alive, little alone married.
0: When you think fashion, you think Geeks and Beats. Fresh from the runways of Milan and Paris, it's the GB Fall Jacket. Great for early morning runs or standing in line at Starbucks on your phone. Show your support for the big show with the only fall jacket you'll ever need. Go to geeksandbeats.com slash swag today.